Hey, it's Josephine. And it's Maya. And this is People Like Us. People Like Us. The podcast. Because it's that time of year, you know? Mm. May. <laughs> it's getting cooler. It's getting creepier. But also, new stuff yes. in the murder world. Yes. I don't know if you heard, but they called the Golden State Killer. You were telling me about this, it's, but it's I so don't exciting. know a lot. It's, it's exciting to have, like, like, a prolific serial killer be caught and yeah. expectedly to mm. be put behind bars. Because he's in... He's in, like, pre-trial stuff right now, still being interrogated. Apparently, like, he doesn't want to talk, which is annoying, but I think they have, like, enough on him to be, like... Yeah. You, <laughs> you on, did it. You're the guy. Yeah. We get it. Um, but, yeah, so, like, what do you know about the Golden State Killer? Um, I don't know a whole lot, only that um, Michelle McNamara mm-hmm. released a book on him. Mm-hmm. And that's what led to his capture. But I, like, know nothing really about the case. Right. Okay. Well, let me give you, like, a little bit of a summary before I do the OJ case. Because it's so exciting. It's like if the Zodiac Killer was caught right now. Imagine Um, if we caught the Zodiac Killer, though. That would be so exciting. Can we do that? Yeah. We'll just start our own investigations, like, from all the way back in the 80s. Right. We can totally get Jake Gyllenhaal on and get his take on it. Even though I haven't seen Zodiac, but I You need to see Zodiac. It's one of, like, the true crime classic movies that, like, actually do it well. Mm. Zodiac and Seven are, like... I haven't seen Seven either. Seven is really, really good. Is that Brad Pitt? Yeah, Brad Pitt, um, Morgan Freeman. Okay. I'm going to watch those. And I'll get back to you. Very good. Yeah. So, Golden State Killer was a murderer, rapist um, during the 60s and 70s in California. And so, like, why Michelle McNamara's book is really important is because she was able to connect a bunch of different um, criminals that a lot of different counties and states within Mm. California or whatever um, were looking for separately, but there was no communication between them. But um, she was able to link it together based on, like, the characteristics of each crime and whatever. So she linked... So, like, the way um, that the Golden State Killer was known before was he was, like, East Area Rapist, the original Night Stalker. Um, He had, like, a couple of other names, but she called him the Golden State Killer because it was more relevant to what he was. And it's, like, a catchy name, which is, like, sometimes really important for, like, a serial killer for, like, more people to pay attention to. And for, like, news to pick it up and actually start talking about it. One thing that's actually really funny is that, like, even that he was caught, uh, his name is, like, Joseph D'Angelo or something. Like, I saw one news report about it. And if you compare it to, like, um, like a lot of mass murders recently and, like, shootings, they don't give nearly as much time to the capture of someone mm-hmm. as, like, to the big overall tragedy yeah. of it. Which is kind of upsetting, but whatever, I guess we're still talking about Trump and his mm-hmm, scandals, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as usual, and the freaking royal baby. But that's another complaint. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he killed, I think, 12 people 
yeah. raped like over 50 people Jesus and they're still Christ. finding more victims. And he like broke into like a hundred or so houses to like oh. practice his like, um, like skills, I guess, if you want to put those in air quotes. Yeah. Um, but he would like stalk his victims. Like I'm reading Michelle McNamara's book right now and she, um, like the victim said that the moment the husband would leave for work, he would be already in the house the waiting hell? to attack them. And he like didn't care if the children were there. He would like either send them to another room or like leave them there to be witnesses. And um, yeah, he would stake out their houses for hours on end in like bushes. And um, mm. eventually, he graduated to keeping the husbands in the house Jesus. and attacking them both, and for like maximum. Uh, pain and suffering. When he was doing that, was he concealing his identity? Yes. Yeah, so he had a green ski mask on, mm. and um, the victims also said that like he would wear the ski mask in a shirt and no pants. Jesus he was just like Christ. out and doing his thing. It was really gross. Um, yeah, apparently he had some piercing glares. He was just a very creepy dude, and he would, like, he would use weapons that he just found in the house. Like, he wouldn't even bring his own because he was confident he could use whatever was there. And, yeah, and, like, even towards, like, the more modern day, like, in recent years, he still, like, sent letters and calls to his victims to taunt them. So, like, people were still suffering, and he was just living his life. And they found him very funnily enough through one of those genealogical DNA websites but they found him through a family relative and apparently they had like a really specific genome some sort of DNA mm. anomaly that they found him through a relative because oh they had like the DNA from some of the rape victims and he was an ex-cop ex-Vietnam war vet um one of the things that led him to not be caught for so long is because he had a police scanner they weren't sure if, like, he was actually a policeman or, like, um, he just found a police scanner somewhere. But every time he would hit, like, a specific area a couple times and commit a few crimes there, they would patrol that area and he would know that there were patrol cars around, so he would move to another area, which is why he jumped around a lot the whole state. Yeah. So, yeah, he was unfortunately very, very smart. But DNA, modern technology, catching killers in... I don't know what the word is. Through Ancestry.com. Catch a serial yeah. killer today. Exactly. Send your DNA in. I think it was called, like, Me DNA. Something. Me I DNA. I don't know. Some, it had a funny name. But. I would have loved it, though, if he's just like, you know how Ancestry has, like, those um, discount rates because of Anzac Day and stuff? Yeah. Oh, Imagine if, like, it's just like, I wonder if I'm related <laughs> to, like, royalty. It's just like, no, but you are related to a serial killer. <laughs> Great, thank you. They should do a I, special. I want to shake the hand of whoever, which relative put their DNA up. Right. Because I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Now we can finally catch him. Thank you. Your family member's a dirtbag, and I exactly. hope he dies in jail. But Exactly. And, like, they're searching you. his house right now, um, like, because he kept a lot of mementos from each house. Like, each house he took items, and they reckon that they're, like, buried in his backyard. Because yeah. he had to, like, he had to keep something, because he's one of those. How did the family not pick up on it or do you think they were just like oh it's just dad being dad i don't know actually i don't know what the family suspected or anything 
But, yeah, it's creepy because, like, nobody suspected him. Mm. Like, they had a couple of suspects who, like, sort of matched the profile, but nobody, like, suspected him in general. Mm. And, um, oh, actually, fun fact. During, I think, the 70s, there was, like, a town hall meeting about, like, the recent rapes and break-ins and whatever in the town, and then... Some, he was actually there, wasn't he? He was there. I saw a photo. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, like, people scoured that photo for ages, and they knew he was there because some, like, town's person, whatever, was like, oh, how could how could a husband let his wife be raped? And while he was there, like, that would never happen to me. And three months later, that guy was attacked with his wife. Oh, my God. And so they were like, he was definitely there because he chose that man specifically and taunted him as well. He was a bit of a sick man. A yeah. bit of, like, understatement of the year. He a was bit. a bit sick, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but oh my God. he's been caught. He, apparently a death sentence is on the table. Shit. Yeah. They had an arraignment recently, oh. and it was a death penalty arraignment. Oh, my God. I'm, like, so conflicted about that stuff. Penalty. Yeah. So I'm just like, let him rot in jail and let him suffer, but also I'm just like, so many valuable resources that are just going to be wasted on keeping exactly. that man alive. I do want him to live there and suffer through his last yeah. years in a prison. Because mm. he's 72 now. Jeez. Which actually pisses me off because he got to live so many years, like, free. Mm. But what can you do? We call him now. <laughs> oh, so. well. I wonder how, like, it just makes me think, like, I watched Silence of the Lambs the other day. Mm-hmm. Like, Great movie. Right? I, how have I never seen that before? But it made me think, like, how many serial killers are actually out there, like, operating right mm-hmm. now? On average, the statistic is that, like, in America, there's approximately, like, 35 active serial killers. What's the statistic here? I, I have mean, no idea. I know they all live in South Australia, but... I don't know. Like, like the... I, I don't actually four? look into Australian yeah. crime as much. Like, I know, like, the mm. famous ones, but, like, statistic-wise, I wouldn't know. I know, like, a couple of the Australian ones, only because, um... My dad is really into, like, Australian true crime because right. he was best friends with the Beaumont children yeah. growing up. and That's, like, the most exciting fact of her. Right? I'm just like, it's, Dad. Every time I hear just it, like, I'm like, yes. I could have gone to the beach with him that day. I'm just like, yeah, but you were grounded, so, like. <laughs> Saved oh. him. But, like, I remember, like, they were joking. Like, my dad in high school, one of his younger brothers was in this math class and they used to make these comics about the creepy math teacher Mm. And how he was, like, a serial killer mm-hmm. and, like, he was a creep. And I think, like, two years ago it came out that he actually was. Oh, my God. That is that is so scary. And I'm just, like, I, like, I make jokes about my neighbour who I wouldn't be surprised if he was a serial killer. But I'm just, like, oh, when are we actually going to find out that he is? But I wonder how many serial killers, like, we've met over the course of our life. Because, yeah. like... Think about how many people would have interacted with the Golden State Killer and never have known, especially because exactly. he was free for that long. And it just and also because he used to be a policeman, like he used to be like a figure that you could trust, which yeah. is really scary. Yeah, Ugh. Ugh. I have chills. I hate it. Ugh. Oh my god. Um, but let's talk about OJ. Let's talk about OJ. Because I know nothing. I'm so excited that you know nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay, we can link this here. Like, a good segue is because OJ was the first case to use DNA in a criminal trial. Oh. Which is kind of upsetting because it was so, like, late. Is that the 90s? Um, Are we in the 90s for this one? Hold on. I know this. 
Yeah, it was 90s, 94. Oh. 94. That's so recent. Like, it actually frustrates me. That's, wait, that's like 24 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like quite recent. And the thing about the fact that it was the first case to use DNA is um, people were so unsure about it. They were like, as if we could know this shit. Like, and so it plays a part in the jury's decision a lot because even though DNA evidence right now is like pretty damning if mm. someone did it, back then they were still very on yeah. the fence about it, so it wasn't yeah. as convincing. It reminds me of the um, It's Always Sunny um, skit, like, science is a liar sometimes. <laughs> like, that's literally, like, people's mindset with it. Actually, though, interesting enough, I think... Is it hair evidence? Hair evidence is now not completely reliable in what? criminal trials because, like, it's not as specific a match and yeah. it could be matched to, like, one in, like, 100,000. So, like, which what is, not is that the great. most specific I match? think, like, blood? blood blood, and, like, saliva and stuff because yeah. that's, like... Isn't saliva, like, diluted blood? I guess, yes. Huh. I think you told me that. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was me who told you that. Exactly. Why do I that know that? I don't know. Saliva is just clear blood, and clear that terrifies blood. me. Are you Googling that? I mean, I will now. <laughs> saliva. Saliva. Blood. But because, like, saliva and um, blood actually have, like, your DNA in mm. them, whereas, like, hair does not have. Um, yeah, hair is just dead protein. Okay, all I can find is effect of saliva on coagulation of blood. Hmm. I don't know what that means. Neither do I. I don't, I don't care about science. And now That's it's got blood contamination in saliva, so I guess not. Huh. I don't know. Science is a lie sometimes, I guess. Science is a lie. <laughs> That's so bad. No, I, I, I trust uh, science more than I do. I just love. I just love it. It's like making sure that he and everyone on Earth looked like a bitch. I was <laughs> like, oh my god. This was me in science in high school, oh except god. I genuinely believed in it, and I'd be like, no, that was me in, like, religion. Oh yeah, definitely yeah. me in religion. Okay, OJ. OJ. Give me the facts, baby. Okay, first of all, I'm going to start with some um, extra material, if you want to look this up. Okay. And also I'm just recommending to you. Okay. So, if you want, like, a dramatized version of it, The People vs. OJ, yeah. American Crime Story, mm -hmm is actually, like, a really, really good way to get into it. Um, I think it was one of the first things I watched when I was, like, starting yeah. to get into it because they play with the details really well, and everybody is a great actor except the guy that they got to play OJ. No offense, Cuba Gooding Jr., but honestly, oh, the worst casting I've oh ever seen. God. It's just so shit, man. Um, but everyone else is so, so mm. great. <laughs> um, Documentary-wise, I think... Um, what was the best one I watched? OJ Made in America. I saw... Wait. That was, like, a two-part series, wasn't it? And one was, yeah. like, the original crime, and one was, like, the aftermath. I, I watched so. the half that was, like... The aftermath? The robbery and stuff in mm -hmm. the hotel. And right. I watched that half, but I missed the first half. So this is why I know it's nothing really about good. the original case. Um, yeah, it's really good because um, it talks about, like, why it was such a media circus... Mm. And I think, like, that's one of the most interesting parts because yeah. the reason that it's so popular is because OJ was, like, an icon for black people in America. And the fact that 
people were pinning this crime where, like, it's always, like, the stereotypical answer, like, oh, the husband did it. But because he was a black man, they were like, is this just perpetuating the stereotype? Um, is this another black man being yeah. attacked and being um, pinpointed as another criminal? Yeah. Which obviously affected the jury, which I think had, um, like, nine black women in it. Yeah who were obviously very emotional about, like, the racial impact of the case yeah. and therefore swung the vote to, spoiler mm. alert, not guilty. I think that, like, especially watching the second half of that documentary, they did really talk about, um, like, the racial divide mm-hmm. and, like, how a lot of white people at the time was like, oh, my God, yeah, he's totally guilty, but African-American community was very much just like, yeah. no, he's not. And, like, I don't know if he did it or not because I I know for me like especially when it comes to like racism and stuff you have to like constantly check yourself when you're a white person Mm -hmm. yeah and I'm just like do I think he's guilty because of facts or do I think he's guilty because of like a racial stereotype that Mm -hmm. has been drilled into me by other white people since the day I was born right so like I'm just like but actually a lot of white people were also sympathetic for OJ because he was one of those people that could appeal to so many yeah. Americans. Um, so he was like, he was a football player. He was nicknamed The Juice, mm. which is the funniest nickname I've ever heard. The Juice? The Juice, because his name is OJ, like Orange Juice. Oh, um, I love Juice. Uh, his name is actually Orenthal James Simpson. Hmm. Um, but he was one of the greatest football players like yeah. ever because he was just amazing at running and, like, he was just brilliant. Like, yeah. he was better than any other, yeah. basically. So he played for the Buffalo Bills and San Francisco 49ers. I'm hitting you with facts because they don't know them exactly. Yeah. He still holds the record for the most single-season yards per game average. Whoa. I think he reached, like, he ran 2,000 yards in, like, 14 games. Jesus Christ. Which is insane. That's, yeah. And then he went into acting. He was a really bad actor. If you've seen any clips, it's just... <laughs> mega shit um but yeah so after he retired from football he went into acting and yeah still continued to be super duper famous um i think he like went into a couple of comedies and he was like spokesperson for like a bunch of sport memorabilia stuff yeah he was just mega famous yeah like i don't i can't even think of like any sports player that has reached that sort of mm. level of fame like I can't think of like anyone. maybe Usain Bolt. Yeah, on like on that sort of level where he can basically do anything. We still know who he is. Like he does all those Telstrads. He and does. Like, it's kind of weird. The only other people. one that's negative that I can think of is Oscar Pistorius. Yeah, or like Tiger Woods. Yeah, like infamous in that way. Mm. But before he was infamous, he was just generally famous. We could totally do the Oscar Pistorius case as well. Oh my god, we could. He totally did it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Another case where he did it. Um, okay, so Nicole Brown Simpson was his second wife. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a waitress in Beverly Hills when she began dating Simpson. Um, and she began dating him when he was still married to his first wife. Oh, fun. Classy beginnings. Um, they were married in 1985, um, six years after his divorce from his first wife, and they had two children. Sydney Brooke and Justin Ryan Simpson. Um, 
The pair's marriage hit some rocks in 1989 when O.J. pleaded no contest to a charge of spousal abuse and was sentenced to community service, probation, and fines. And she filed for divorce in 1992. Okay. So they were divorced when she died. Yeah. And he was actually already dating someone else when she died as well. Hmm. But she had the kids and he was mm. out living his life and they were just constantly fighting. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So the two victims in this case, because everybody forgets the other victim, yeah. which is actually such a tragedy. Well, so Nicole Brown Simpson and her friend, waiter, Ronald Goldman, were yeah. killed on June 12th, 1994. Nicole was stabbed multiple times in the head and neck. Um, fun fact for you. Not so fun because she died. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but, um, like, her, she was stabbed so many times and... Um, like around her head and her neck that she was almost decapitated. Yeah. Like, that's how intense You were showing me the crime scene photos like <laughs> this earlier. My friends. Just, earlier this Look semester. At this crime scene you were just like, how squeamish are you? And I was like, I mean I watched the walking dead and I was like, oh, oh. nothing can repay you for those photos. No. Like I, I hate that I'm one of these people, but like I need to see the photo for like it to mm. commit to reality. Yeah. Cause like just reading it, there's like a whole separation from like what has actually happened believing that a person can do this to someone else and, like, actually seeing it. So. Yeah. I think they're, like, f- I've seen a couple of other crime scene photos. I looked at the Kurt Cobain ones online, mm-hmm. and, like, you can find John Bonet and, like, mm-hmm. you can see a whole bunch of stuff on the internet. Oh, yeah. So fun. I've seen it all. Um, <laughs> but I think those photos were the first ones that really, like, shocked me and mm-hmm. made me feel, like, physically ill. Yeah. So I was like, oh. so gruesome. Because when you hear, like, oh, she got stabbed a couple of times, you're just like, oh, well. It wasn't even but a couple it, of times. It was so brutal. And there's, like, around the house, there's just so much blood. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, that person was really angry. Yeah. I hate the word crime of passion, but this was, this was like, passion and then some. Mm. Like, it was complete overkill. And... Their bodies were found outside of her home in the early hours of June 13th. Sorry, complete overkill. <laughs> it is. Like, it's so insane. Yeah. Um, but they were outside the home. Yeah, they were outside of her house. Okay. And this is a very shit summary. Sorry. I'm going to find a better one while I'm talking to you. Okay. But um, OJ's car was there. There's a very famous car in this case is that the car the white chase yeah yes it's it is the car chase which they showed in all the ads for the people versus oj yeah and i was just like so he's just driving down a highway for a couple of times like for a while like i don't understand what's so good about this and then i didn't realize it was a real case i just thought it was a tv show i'm just like "Mm, i don't want to watch a car chase i don't yeah the fact about this case is that it's so dramatic and unbelievably not real yeah. when you think about it. You're like, I can't believe this actually happened. Also, the car chase is a very low-speed car chase. I think they were going, like, in our, like, miles per hour. I don't get that. I think it was, like, 80 kilometers an hour. Like, it wasn't even that fast. Oh, my God. Like, That's... they were driving very, very slowly. We were driving faster than that on the way to Canberra. Exactly. Yeah, that's why it's so weird. Okay, I'm looking at Wikipedia now because they have details. Wikipedia, the people's... The people's people. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, so Nicole Brown-Smith had been stabbed multiple times in the head and neck and had Ugh. defensive wounds on her hand. Oh. The larynx could be seen through the gaping yeah, wound that's, in her neck. Yeah, that's the photo that you showed me. And vertebrae C3 was incised. Oh, her head had remained barely attached to the body. Both victims had been dead for about two hours prior to being discovered by police. And Robert Risk, one of the first two officers on the scene, found a single bloody glove, among other evidence. Mm. Remember that fact, because that becomes very important. Mm. Both the officer that found it and the glove. Yeah. Okay. So they went to OJ's house to inform him that his ex-wife had been murdered. Just like a friendly little conversation. Um... Detective Mark Furman climbed over an external wall and unlocked the gate to allow other detectives to enter as well. Um, the detectives argued that they entered without a search warrant because of exigent circumstances. I don't know what that means. Um, but also because they were feared that Simpson might have been injured as well. Like, they thought it was, like, maybe it was, like, a targeted attack. Like, maybe mm. they went for OJ and then they went for the wife and... Yeah. You know what's the saddest thing about this case? What? Ron Goldman was just there. Yeah, like, that's sad. It It's so tragic. And people forget that he was part of this. So Why, why did he die? Just because he was a witness to... So, he was a friend of Nicole, and I think it was that she went to his re- the restaurant that he worked at for dinner with someone, and she had forgotten her glasses. So yeah. he was coming over to her house to return them personally to her. And then I think it was people theorized that OJ was there and then thought that he was having an affair with her. Even something, though he was already it, dating someone Yeah, new something bizarre and, like that. Oh it's God. very stupid. Um, Simpson was not present when the detectives arrived early that morning. He had taken a flight to Chicago. Hmm. Convenient. Um, detectives interviewed Brian Cato Kalen, who was staying in Simpson's guest house. In a walk around of the premises, Furman discovered a second bloody glove. Hmm. hmm. It was later determined to be the match of the glove found at the murder scene. Through DNA testing, the blood on this one was determined to have come from both victims. This, together with other evidence collected at both scenes, was determined to be probable cause to issue a warrant for the arrest of Simpson. So... The lawyers convinced um, Los Angeles Police Department to allow Simpson to turn himself in. So they gave him a chance, like a couple of hours. Um, And in return for turning himself in, he would receive no bail. And it would be a first-degree murder conviction um, in a death penalty case because it's a double homicide. Fuck. more than a thousand reporters waited for Simpson at the police station, but he didn't arrive. He didn't go. Um, and then they set out to search for him. They oh, Robert Kardashian plays a big part in this because That's he right, was a Kardashian. close friend, and also he's one of the lawyers. And wait, close friend of Simpson? Yes. Huh. I know it's such like a weird connection as well. Oh. Um, so he, Robert Kardashian, was given a letter from Simpson, and he read it to the media, and it starts with, first, everyone understand I had nothing to do with Nicole's murder. Don't feel sorry for me. I've had a great life. And it was a suicide note. And so they, so everyone freaked out. His mother collapsed after hearing it, 
and then all the reporters joined in t- for the search for him because they were like, we can't let him die. He probably did it. Oh um, yeah. And did he try to? Yeah. So in he was in the white Ford Bronco and he was being driven by his friend Al A.C. Cowlings and he was in the back seat with a gun to his head. Oh, wow. It was even slower than I thought. It was 56 kilometers an hour on a highway. What? Wait, 56 kilometers an hour? Yeah. On a highway? Yeah, with up to 20 police cars following them in the chase. Here's where I I insert a fun fact. Yes. So, you know Domino's? Yeah. The pizza company. Yes. Very famous. Yeah. They reported that in this 20-minute car chase that they sold as many pizzas during this car chase as they did on Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, my God. Everybody paused in their entire day to order a pizza and sit down to and watch, watch this a car, car chase. chase. This very, very slow car chase as well. I mean, 56 kilometers an hour on a highway. And, like, everybody had exited the highway. So, you know, like, that very famous shot where it's, like, the single, the single white car. car. And 20 police cars behind it. It's very ridiculous. I, and so many helicopters. It's ridiculous. Did they not, like, just end it because he had the gun to his head? They, they were worried that if they pursued further that he would just shoot himself, but they needed him to explain what happened. And, sorry, the lights just turned off. I, like, Aww. freaked out a little bit. That's mine. Are we going to die? No. It's not a ghost. It's fine. But what if it's, like, lights out? It's fine. We're not going to freak out. We're going to keep talking about OJ. Okay. So, um, more than nine news helicopters eventually joined the pursuit. The high degree of media participation caused camera signals to appear on incorrect television channels. They, media circus is an understatement sometimes. The chase was so long that one helicopter ran out of fuel, forcing its station to ask another for a camera feed. It was, it was insane. Um, they encouraged his football coach to go on air and encourage him to end the chase. Was he still playing football? Um, no, he would have been retired. Okay. Um, yeah, he asked, he asked Simpson to pull over and turn himself in instead of committing suicide crazy so simpson apologized for not turning himself in earlier that day he was able to be convinced through a phone call because he it it was like they asked him for the sake of your mother and children don't kill yourself so Hmm. he apologized and responded that he was the only one who deserved to get hurt and he was just gonna go with nicole I mean, that's kind of touching in a way that, like, oh, he wants to be with his ex-wife. But also, he did it. Um, anyways. So, a bunch of news outlets covered the incident with an estimated 95 million viewers nationwide. Good lord. And only 90 million had watched that year's Super Bowl, if, to give you some context. Um, thousands of spectators and onlookers packed... Packed overpasses along the procession journey, so like down the highway, they were like yeah. across bridges just to watch it happen. And they wondered if OJ would commit suicide in the middle of this thing, and they okay. just wanted to be there to just watch. Yeah, just Good to watch. Lord. 
Um, Simpson reportedly demanded that he be allowed to speak to his mother before he would surrender, and the chase ended at 8 p.m. at his house, um. called the Brentwood Estate, 50 miles later, 80 kilometers, if you want to translate. Um. Um, his son, Jason, ran out of the house, gesturing wildly, and 27 SWAT officers awaited. Um, yeah. In the Bronco, police found $8,000 in cash, a change of clothing, a loaded uh-huh. three fifty seven Magnum. I don't know guns. When they, so, when they mention a specific gun, I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> a passport, family pictures, and a fake goatee and mustache. So, okay, if we just look at that, Mm-hmm. Was he just gonna like jet? Try, yeah, try and slip away. Yeah. I mean, he tried on the mm. on the day he went to Chicago. <laughs> That's true. Shit, he did. Like, I don't understand. Guilty? He, yeah, yeah. If they run, they're guilty. True. It's like, what else could he have been guilty of? Like, what else could he be running from? Oh my god! What the hell? What? I don't... Okay. Just looking at all of that, I do not understand how... He's gotten the not guilty? Yeah. It gets worse. Oh, okay, please. So much worse. Yes, go on. So, on June 20th, Simpson was arraigned and pleaded not guilty to both murders. Um, the following day, a grand jury was called to determine whether to indict him for the two murders... And two days later, the grand jury was dismissed as a result of excessive media coverage, which could have influenced its neutrality. I mean, that That, makes sense, because 90 million Exactly. And it's so difficult to find jury members that are unbiased. They they Mm. couldn't even find ones that were unbiased, because in the end, he got off. But everyone had been tainted with how much news coverage it got. Like, you can't have not formed an opinion after that. Um, it's, it's just so crazy. So, Jill Shibley, a Brentwood resident who testified that she saw Simpson speeding away from the area of Nicole's house on the night of the murders, told the grand jury that the Bronco almost collided with a Nissan at the intersection of Bundy and San Vincent Boulevard. Mm. Another grand jury witness, a cutlery salesman named, who cares what his name is, said he sold Simpson a 15-inch German-made knife similar to the murder weapon three weeks before the killings. Hmm. Huh. Interesting timing. Hmm. Um, Rather than another grand jury hearing, authorities held a probable cause hearing to determine whether or not to bring Simpson to trial. Spoiler alert, he went to trial. Um, At his second arraignment on July 22nd, when asked how he pleaded to the murders, Simpson breaking a courtroom practice that says the accused may plead using only the words guilty or not guilty, firmly stated... Absolutely, 100% not guilty. Bit excessive, that's if you do than, say so. That's more than... That's um, more than one word, or two words, if you said like, not guilty. Like, calm down, just say not guilty, but also guilty. Yeah. Um, okay, just quickly. Yes. Um, do we know if, like, the charge would have been lesser if he did plead guilty? Because I know, like, watching, like, the sinner and stuff, mm-hmm. she yeah, obviously did change. it. But you can change, but also they would say, oh, if you plead, like, guilty, or if you plead not guilty, then you get this. But if you plead this way, then you get a lesser Mm. sentence. He might have been offered a deal, but I'm not entirely sure. Okay. But I think he was very set on having the not guilty plea because he didn't want to seem guilty in any way. Like, that was 
his request to not have the word guilty associated with him at all. Like, mm. he wouldn't admit it, even if it meant getting a deal. Yeah. Um, so the district attorney elected to file charges in downtown Los Angeles as opposed to Santa Monica where the crime took place, which was controversial, especially after Simpson was acquitted. It likely resulted in a jury pool with more blacks, Latinos, Asian Americans, and blue-collar workers than would have been found in Santa Monica. So as Santa Monica is like a high, yeah. higher-class white people area, they wanted to get a more sympathetic jury, which is mm. not the best idea. So the prosecution decided not to seek the death penalty and instead sought a life sentence. The deputy district attorney, Marsha Clark, was designated as lead prosecutor. She's amazing. Um, and then the other prosecuting lawyer was Christopher Darden, who was his, her co-counsel. Um, he's also pretty cool, but also made a very, very stupid decision, which you will yeah. find out later. Um, Judge Lance Ito interviewed 304 prospective jurors who had to fill out a 75-page questionnaire. Well, Because of just... The amount of, yeah. The amount of bias that is included. It's ridiculous. So, the trial began on January 24th, 1995, and was televised, bad idea, and in part by other cable, oh, sorry, they mentioned a specific TV outlet, and it was televised for 134 days. Oh, my God. Um, So, Darden, the prosecuting side, argued that Simpson killed his ex-wife in a jealous rage. The prosecution opened its case by playing a 911 call from Nicole Brown Simpson on January 1st, 1989, in which she expressed fear that Simpson would physically harm her and he could be heard yelling at her in the background. I've actually listened to that 911 call. It's very, it's quite terrifying. She sounds scared out of her mind. Mm. And so it's not a jump to assume that he could have reached that level of rage again. Um, Other material related to domestic violence was also present. Um... The prosecution also presented dozens of expert witnesses to place Simpson at the scene of the crime on subjects ranging from DNA profiling to blood and shoe print analysis. So stuff I can remember off the top of my head were the gloves that were his, the matching one found in his house. His footprints were at the scene of the crime Mm -hmm. in blood, blood footprints. Um, The Ford Bronco had a bunch of DNA on it as well. Like there was blood spatter on the outside and I think some inside as well. Um, I think there's also, yeah, there's just a bunch of DNA stuff to go on. Um, so they presented evidence that Simpson had a history of physically abusing Nicole. Um, Simpson's lawyer argued that only a tiny fraction of women who are abused by their spouses are murdered. Okay. Within days after the start of the trial, lawyers and those viewing the trial from a single closed-circuit TV camera in the courtroom saw an emerging pattern, continual and countless interruptions with objections from both sides of the courtroom. And it was... Oh, so annoying. So annoying. Um, I feel very... What's the word? What do you mean? Unprepared for this. No. In a way. I think there's so much with this. There, There is so much. And it's, like, hard to balance it out in, and mm. put it in order. Mm. Um, so the prosecuting case was supported by DNA evidence and physical evidence that was collected. So they claimed that Simpson drove to Brown's house on the evening of June 12th with the intention of killing her. 
They maintained that Brown had put their two children to bed and were getting ready to go to bed herself when she opened the front door of the house after either responding to a knock on the front door or hearing a noise outside. Simpson allegedly grabbed her before she could scream and attacked her with a knife. Um, forensic evidence alleged that Goldman arrived at the front gate to the townhouse sometime during the assault, and the assailant apparently attacked him and stabbed him repeatedly in the neck and chest with one hand while restraining him with an arm chokehold. Brown was found lying down, um, face down, when authorities arrived at the crime scene. After Simpson had finished with Goldman, he pulled Brown's head back using her hair, put his foot on her back, and slit her throat. Which is the worst way to die. Um, they argued that Simpson left a trail of blood from the condo to the alley behind it. There was also a testimony that there were three drops of Simpson's blood found on the driveway, so somehow he was hurt in mm. the attack. Um, <laughs> and then he went to Chicago the next day. Um, Simpson had driven his Bronco during the required five minutes to and from the murder scene to his house. And there was a witness that saw the Bronco speeding away from the area at around 10.35 p.m. Good Lord. That is insane. So... What do you think about it so far? Like, from what you've heard, what the prosecution is alleging. It sounds like it could happen. It mm -hmm. sounds like that's how it went down. Mm -hmm. uh, I just can't believe that someone could do that, you know? Mm -hmm. I just... I just... I think just from the, the DNA evidence and the witness accounts that put him there at that time, mm -hmm. he did it. Yeah. But I just don't understand how a human being could do that, like, at so all. Like, viciously. I, right? Like, I love true crime. I love true crime shows. I love hearing about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it just makes me so sad. Yeah. That I'm just like, I don't... I can't understand what makes people do that. Or, like, Human just... so terrible. Oh, my God. Why did they try to fight that? I don't understand how... Was Rob Kardashian his lawyer or something? Yes, he had a couple. He had Johnny Cochran, Rob Kardashian, and some other dude. How could someone, like... Because they're paid to. They would right, a lot of but like, money. But I don't understand, like, isn't there, like, I don't know, a sense of, like, empathy or I'm sure there was whatever. empathy, but I'm, once you've convinced yourself or been convinced by someone that they didn't do it, they can argue forever about how he didn't do it. Mm. There was probably, like, in the beginning there was, like, um, questions probably from the lawyers, but one, they're paid to convince other people that he didn't do it and probably after a bunch of times saying he didn't do it you, you can probably start to believe, believe it. in in yourself that he didn't do it mm. and some people to this day believe he didn't do it it's crazy oh my anyways this but, is the other side of it okay but who are they saying did it like instead they, has anyone like come forward and said like oh it could have been this guy um, there's actually some theories that his son did it. Oh. Like, OJ's son. Yeah. Because he was, 
he was there. And he also had similar anger issues. Mm. Um, they say, they put forth a bunch of theories, like it could have just been like a break-in murder, whatever, whatever. Um, past lovers of Nicole. Mm. It's, they they try and pin on anyone except OJ. Yeah. All, but again, all they have to do is convince him, the jury, that it wasn't him. Like, it's usually the prosecution's um, job to pin it on somebody, and then the defense only has to basically swat that idea away. Yeah. So the prosecution continues to go after OJ. They don't really have to think of another person that it could have been. Mm. They just have to be like, he wasn't there at that time. That's all they have to convince you of. Like, there needs to be enough evidence there to give a reasonable doubt that it wasn't mm. him. But the, it's like, it's not really their job to offer another person to yeah. pin it on, which is even more frustrating. Mm. So, like, if you had a case, like, if if they convince you enough that it wasn't OJ and they don't give you an alternative, like, that's still enough to be, like, not yeah. guilty. Okay. It is so frustrating. Yeah. But mm. reasonable doubt is really all you need. Um, there were witness accounts from Kalen, that dude who was staying at OJ's house, that remarked that Simpson looked agitated when he got home. But oh, other so witnesses... they said that he left the house. Yeah. Oh, my God. And when okay. he came back in the Ford Bronco, he was agitated. Other witnesses, including the ticket clerk at LAX who checked Simpson onto the plane, and a flight attendant said that he looked completely normal. Um, so conflicting testimony was a reoccurring theme throughout the trial. Mm. Simpson's initial claim that he was asleep at the time of the murders was refuted by several different accounts. According to defense lawyer Johnny Cochran, Simpson had never left his house that night, and he was alone as he packed his belongings to travel to Chicago. Cochran claimed that Simpson went outside through the back door to hit a few golf balls onto the children's sandbox in the front garden, um, and he also produced a potential alibi witness, Rosa Lopez, a neighbor's Spanish-speaking housekeeper who testified that she had seen Simpson's car parked outside his house at the time of the murders. However, Lopez's account, which was not presented during the presented to the jury, was pulled apart under intense cross-examination by Clark when she was forced to admit that she could not be sure of the precise time she saw Simpson's Bronco outside his house. I love watching cross-examinations. Mm. It makes me so excited when people, like, trip over their words. Yeah. I'm sorry. I love, I'm watching um, The Good Wife at the moment, yeah. which is, and it's like a lawyer show, and every time they do cross-examination, mm. it's like the most exciting thing ever. Okay, the defense tried to convince the jury that Simpson was not physically capable of carrying out the murders, <laughs> saying that Goldman was a fit young man who put up a fierce struggle against his assailant. Simpson was a 46-year-old former professional football player with chronic arthritis and had scars on his knees from old football injuries. Chronic arthritis. Keep that in mind. Okay. However, Clark produced into evidence an exercise video that Simpson made a few months before the murders titled O.J. Simpson Minimum Maintenance Fitness for Men, which showed that despite some physical conditions and limitations, Simpson was anything but frail. That man was a machine. That's such a bullshit response. Okay, let's talk about Ron Goldman for a second. Okay. The prosecution called Karen Lee Crawford, the manager of Mezzaluna Restaurant, where Brown ate on the night she was murdered. Crawford recounted that Brown's mother phoned the restaurant at 9.37 about a pair of lost eyeglasses. Crawford found them and put them in a white envelope. Goldman left the restaurant at 9.50 p.m. after his shift, taking the glasses to drop them off at Brown's house. Brown's neighbor, Pablo, whatever his last name is, 
testified about hearing a very distinctive barking and plaintive wail of a dog at around 10 to 15 minutes after 10 p.m. while he was at home. Eva Stein, another neighbor, testified about very loud and persistent barking also at around 10.15 p.m. Then kept her that kept her from going back to sleep. Um, so she had a Akita dog, which was agitated. He saw that it had bloody paws, but after examining it, he found the dog to be uninjured. So he must have walked around the crime yeah. scene and seen the body. Um... Risk, the first officer at the crime scene, testified that he found a barefoot woman in a black dress lying face down in a puddle of blood on the walkway that led to the front door of her house. He next saw Goldman's body of a short distance away, lying on its side beside a tree and off the walkway. He saw a white envelope, which was later found to contain the glasses, so that lady's testimony was true. He also saw Goldman's beeper, a black leather glove, and a dark blue knit ski cap on the ground near the bodies. The front door of Brown's house was wide open, but there was no signs of forced ent entry, nor any evidence that anyone had entered the premises at all. So nothing took place in the house. Mm. Um, yeah, so he was arrested, and he was driven in an unmarked police car, and he, was, he didn't even wear handcuffs. That's... Oh. Kills me! I actually hate him. So... So, the glove, yes, the glove is like a big part of. Oh yeah. This. Have you ever heard the phrase, "If it doesn't if fit, do not acquit." Do not acquit. Yeah. Oh wait. Do acquit. Wait. If the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. Something yeah. Something like that. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Because okay. I think is this is a part of the trial that everyone talks about. Yeah. Yes. I don't really know what happened okay. that much. Well, I know that it didn't fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go through the evidence. We can start with the glove. Yeah. The glove Let's go. Yes. Let me find that. Okay. The DNA analysis of blood on a left-hand glove found outside Brown's home showed that it was a mixture of Simpson's, Brown's, and Goldman's blood. Hmm. Although the glove was soaked in blood, there was no blood drops leading up to or away from the glove. No other bl blood was found in the area of the glove except on it. So the glove contained particles of hair consistent with Goldman's and a cap contained carpet fibers consistent with fibers from the Simpsons Bronco. Um, the left-hand glove found at Brown's home and the right-hand glove found at Simpsons home proved to be a match. Um, <laughs> much of the incriminating evidence, the bloody glove, bloody socks, blood in and on the Bronco, was discovered by LAPD detective Mark Furman. You remember mm -hmm. him, right? Yeah. He was later charged with perjury for what? falsely claiming during the trial that he had not used the, the N-word, I'm not going to say it, within 10 years of the trial. Later during the trial, with the jury absent, he invoked the Fifth Amendment against self-incrimination when he asked, did you plant or manufacture any evidence in this case? The defense found found this tape of a script reading he did with a filmmaker about um, it, was, it was basically about like racism, mm. and it was and he was describing why he didn't like black people, and he continued to use the n word, mm. and they the defense brought this in to say that he was racist and he had motive to plan evidence against O.J. Simpson. 
so was this guy actually racist or was this a script that he I'm was I'm sure she on? was racist. Yeah. I do not doubt that he was okay. a very racist police detective, but I also think that it was a very convenient thing to bring up and it was it was unfortunate that he was the person to have found all this evidence mm. because it brought into question some of the main pieces of evidence. Yeah. Because it could have been planted and oh, it it's if they were planted, the most important pieces of evidence could be discredited or questioned yeah. at least. And the fact that he invoked the fifth for that question is so frustrating. Because at this point, if he says that, by not answering the question, did he plant it? Or is he just trying to save his ass for, like, even more perjury? Yeah. So uh. it was suggested that he may have planted evidence yeah. on the socks and on the gloves. And it brought into question that other evidence may also have been fabricated and you couldn't tell which yeah. was not. Yeah. Um, there were shoe prints that matched the size of Simpson's shoe size. Mm. Um, what else did they found? They found a black knit cap at the crime scene contained strands of African-American hair Several strands of dark blue cotton fiber were found on Goldman. The prosecution presented a witness who said Simpson wore a similarly, similarly colored sweatsuit that night. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a lot of evidence. It, But now it's all just like, is yeah, this real? It, there's, so there's that. There's the whole Furman yeah. thing. And then there's also... Um, criminal, criminal crime scene yeah. scientist people yeah. things. So there was a, a criminalist called Dennis Fung. He was criticized by the defense for admitting to having missed a few drops of blood on a fence near the bodies on the stand. He said that he returned several weeks later no. to collect them. You're kidding. And it gets worse. He also admitted that he had not used rubber gloves when collecting some of the evidence, but the blood tested had no DNA from Fung within published guidelines. Would you like to know another fact? Yeah. Criminalists who collected DNA at the crime scene had the DNA uh, collections in their truck, but did not go straight to the lab. What the fuck? I think they took it back to the police station or something. No, okay. But they did not go back, like, directly to the lab. What the hell? It came into question whether things happened during that trip that could have either contaminated evidence between the samples or could have been planted before it reached the lab. I understand why sometimes shit like this happens. Yeah. It shouldn't. But it in smaller cases, it's understandable when it does. Mm-hmm. You have a high-profile case that you are collecting evidence for. Why the fuck are you making a pit stop? At a fucking police station. So much incompetence. That is the reason. But, like, did, I heard people got fired over this. I like, really hope holy they did too. shit. No. No. Yeah. Like, this is just like the John Bonet case all over again. Mm-hmm. We have people moving the body and people touching the body and people just, like, not really caring about proper procedure when they bag up evidence or, like, with, again, like, DNA evidence and samples. It's just like, what? Yeah. Yep. It makes me so angry. Mm-hmm. Because now I'm just like, mmm. But also DNA was, like, so new as well. Like, 
in in a way, I sympathize because they couldn't have known that this would have been so important and be actually used yeah. in the trial because it had never but been used before. Still. But also, incompetence. Unbelievable amounts of incompetence. It just, like, because now I'm just like, well, you can't believe any of that stuff now, so there's a pretty good chance that he didn't do it. Nah, no. But, like, if I you look at it... I still disagree with that. No, okay, I still... Um, if we're looking at this as me, as you are teaching me about this case, yes. and I'm coming in at this non-biased, yes. DNA evidence at the scene, yeah, he probably did it, but now that I know it's contaminated, I'm just like... It could have been contaminated. There's possibility. But it's the could of. Yeah. That makes me think, hmm. Yeah, I understand that. This, like, puts a little, like, shred of doubt on my mind. Mm -hmm. What if it was something else? Or what if something happened in that car that people try to make, like, it look like he did it? Even though, like, he probably did do it. Let me tell you more about some DNA. Yes. So Fung testified that this DNA evidence, the shoe prints and the gate samples, Mm. um, put Simpson at Brown's townhouse at the time of the murders. But defense expert Barry Sheck conducted an eight-day cross-examination. Can you imagine talking about DNA for eight days? Oh, God. Questioning most of the DNA evidence. Um, mm -hmm. Blood evidence had been tested at two separate laboratories, each conducting different tests. At this time, the general population was still unfamiliar with the precision and significance of DNA matching. It emerged during the cross-examination of Fung and the other laboratory scientists that LAPD scientist Andrea Mazzola, who collected blood samples from Simpson to compare with the evidence from the crime scene, was a trainee who carried the vial of Simpson's blood around in her lab coat pocket for nearly a day before handing it over as an exhibit. While two errors had been found in the history of DNA testing at Selmark, one of the testing laboratories in 1988 and 89, the errors were found during quality control tests and had not occurred occurred since sorry well at least they've learned from their mistakes oh yeah um what should have become the prosecution's strong point became their weak link amid defense accusations that police technicians handled the blood samples with such a degree of incompetence thank you for that wording because i agree as to render the delivery of accurate and reliable dna results almost impossible <sighs> anyways that that that's that and there was the whole Mark Furman thing, which was very, very frustrating. It was like, oh, man, why you got to be racist? <laughs> That's literally what it felt like watching it. Why you got to be racist? Why you got to be racist buddy? right now, man? Okay. Oh, God. Um, on June 15th, 1995, Bailey, who was one of the Simpson lawyers, goaded Darden into asking Simpson to put on the leather glove that was found at the scene of the crime. This is one of the biggest mistakes of the trial. He shouldn't have been asked to put it on. Why? Leather shrinks. Right. Especially when it comes into contact with liquids and other materials. Blood. I think it was enough to have found the matching glove at his house as well as having his DNA on it to incriminate him. But... Oh, man, the moment they asked him to put it on. Let me tell you about it. The prosecution had earlier decided against asking Simpson to try on the gloves because the glove had been soaked in blood from Simpson, Brown, and Goldman and frozen and unfrozen several times. Um, so Darden, the second chair for prosecution, was 
he was quite a young lawyer as well, and I think he was just too easily, like, yeah. Uh, what's the word? When someone, like, tries provoked, provoked. to do it. Yeah. Um, and also, actually, Christopher Darden did an AMA on Reddit a couple of years ago, mm. and he said that the biggest mistake in his life was asking Simpson to put on the glove. Because yeah. it, it absolutely ruined their case. Like, people could have been on the fence, but sort of leaning towards prosecution, but the moment this happened, you could, like, feel that so many people yeah. were, like, discredited Simpson so fast. Okay. The leather gloves seemed too tight for Simpson to put on easily, especially over-sanitary gloves he was asked to wear underneath. What? They made him put, like, like the the elastic gloves on. Why? Okay, if they've already taken samples from the gloves... Like, the DNA is all you need. Oh, it's so annoying. But also, it's just like, oh, your your DNA's already been found on the gloves. Any DNA that they find on it since, like... Exactly. And why? with the second glove underneath, that's just stupid. Like, it, would, it wouldn't it have never found would've. anybody. Um, especially with a dude with massive hands as well. And Good then Lord. the defense lawyers came up with the, with the very poignant term, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Which he repeated several times. Well, I guess rhyming makes people believe shit more. Yep, exactly. And, like, it's so catchy that it stays in people's minds. So the <laughs> message of you must acquit is always in the back of people's yeah. minds. Um, also, Simpson has arthritis. And they looked at the medication that he had taken. And some of his anti-inflammatory medication was not taken the day of and in the days previous to trying on his gloves, and so it caused swelling in the joints and inflammation in his hands. Oh my god. On, yeah, so on, okay. <laughs> Here we have a glove that has shrunk and been frozen many times and unfrozen. So On a man with already ginormous hands. Exactly, the structural integrity is gone, basically. Mm. Um, he's wearing another pair of sanitary gloves. He has not taken his arthritis medicine. It's very convenient. And do you want to know another fact that I learned in documentary? Yes. In prison, during this trial, mm. OJ continued to sign up to 200 posters a day so he could sell them. So he had his hand working, signing a bunch of posters on top of having arthritis that was untreated, plus the glove, plus the sanitary glove. It's like... There was no way in hell that glove was ever going to fit. Just, like, there was so many things stacked up against him. It was so, so frustrating. And, yep. So, after that, it was kind of just like, well. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can't. You can't say that he did it. Yep. Fuck. And then you have all the racial issues. Yeah. Um. So... Simpson being seen as an angry black man is mm. one of the worst stereotypes out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> despite the fact that it was backed up with evidence, mm. it was still seen as, like, a trope that was used yeah. in an abuse of power in the way that he was beaten. And then on top of Mark Furman's racial history, yeah. it made for an even worse case against mm. Simpson. Um... There was a lot of fear that there would be race riots, similar to when Rodney King was beat up. Yeah. And so that also played into the jury's like, oh, we shouldn't 
we shouldn't prosecute him because this might cause yeah, something. even more violence. But the thing is, with O.J. Simpson, he was uh, he was adopted into the white world because of his fame and yeah. his richness and everything. And they talk a lot about this in O.J. Made in America. And oh, there was, like, this really catchy line when he was, like, he was basically a white man to other white people, but he was still a black man to black people. Yeah. He was... And in that way, he appealed to both sides, mm. and it wasn't really a race issue, but it was made into a race issue. Yeah. And that frustrates me, too. Um, I mean, that is the core of the case. I think mm. I have some other fun facts for you. Oh, yeah. During the O.J. Simpson verdict broadcast, mm. long-distance telephone call volumes declined by 58% and trading volume on the New York Stock Exchange by 41%. Water usage decreased as people avoided using bathrooms, and the verdict cost an estimated $480 million in lost productivity. Jesus Christ. Yep. Um, O.J. Simpson once hosted a pay-per-view prank show called Juice. In one of the skits, he works as a used car salesman selling a white Bronco with bullet holes in which he promotes the car's escapability he's such a dick man like what the fuck i don't um i just i just can't yep uh the goldman family was awarded oj simpson's rolex in the civil case only to return it when a jeweler advised it was a hundred dollar fake made in china and the settlement said that items that cheap would remain owned by simpson I feel so okay. I just feel so sorry for the families. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, so much attention was put on OJ, and then people forgot about the actual victims in the mm. case. It was really, really tragic. I think, especially because, like, I remember watching the last half of the documentary. Yeah, and um, there was a quite a big focus on the father of Ron Goldman, Ron Goldman. and. I remember him talking about, like, how it kind of became a race thing mm -hmm. and how he's just like, I just want, like, my son to get justice. To get justice. But it's just... It, it wasn't going to happen. There are so many things stacked against them in this case that it would have been ridiculous. Um, but, hey, some good news for the Goldmans. Mm. I think when OJ went to prison... He, they were given the copyright to... Oh, OJ wrote a book called If I Did It. Oh, God. Like, okay. of course he did. And um, uh, when he went to prison, I think the Goldmans got the, the copyright ownership of the book and they reprinted it. But for the title, they made the word if very small and almost invisible, so it just says I Did It by OJ Simpson. Mm -hmm. Beautiful graphic design. <laughs> graphic design choices all around. Yeah. Um, in more recent news, there was an unaired 2006 interview when O.J. Simpson inadvertently confessed to murdering Nicole Brown and Ronald Goldman what? with an accomplice. So I think, I think that. Um, I mean, that's pretty. It's pretty damning, but it never aired. What? So, hold on. 
Sources familiar with the program tell us Simpson talked in the third person as he described how the murders might have been committed, but at some point in the interview he lapsed into first person. We're told it sounded like a first person account of the murders, and although it is not a clear confession in that area, it's in that area, sorry. We were told Simpson flat out talks about an accomplice who was with him at Nicole's home, but he did not name the accomplice. So there's that. And in more recent news, well, we know that OJ's out mm. now, which is dumb. Yeah. Um, there was also a knife found buried on OJ Simpson's former estate. Mm. So it was a folding buck knife that was found by a construction worker while he was demolishing the house in 1998. Um, hmm. The worker allegedly gave the knife to a police officer in the area who kept it for years. What? Okay, what? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. But, I mean, hey, nothing nothing to do with it now because he's out and living his life again. I can't believe he went to prison for, like, a completely different charge. Yeah, for the, the robbery of yeah. the that hotel. that was so stupid. I was like, mate, you just got off. Why would you commit another, pro- like, crime? Crime of passion. Who knows? I remember, like, I remember, like, knowing about, like, that kind of stuff, but I never really, like, went into the original case. So thank you for teaching me. It sticks with you. Like, I think, I think now, I think he did it. He definitely did it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But there's a lot for me to realize how people think that Mm -hmm. he didn't do it. Or there's a lot of reasonable doubt. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the thing is I have literally no sympathy for him. Mm. I have every sympathy for, like, Nicole and Ron, but, Hell like, yeah. no sympathy for him. Especially, like, the smugness in his face in, like, other interviews mm. and just, like, just, like, oh, the audacity to commit a completely other crime and go to prison for that and not the murder of two actual people is really upsetting. Yeah. So, there's that. <sighs> Yeah. Well, I'm glad you know now. Thank you for teaching me. You're welcome. Yeah. I hope it wasn't too It It wasn't. No, God, no. I. Thank you, Wikipedia. Shouts out. And love Reddit. your Wikipedia and Reddit. <laughs> I just, yeah. It's a good case. It's a good case. An example of what not to do, basically. Right. Don't have a racist cop. Have competent criminalists. Don't be racist. Um, don't be a shit person. Don't murder people. Sorted. Yeah. Basically. That's like your, that's your guide. That's, yeah, that's your guide to life, Joe's guide to life. Don't be racist. Don't 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 wear the glove. Never wear the glove. Don't put on gloves. If it's cold outside, leave your gloves at home. Leave your gloves at home. Um, If they're leather. Exactly. Just don't wear leather gloves. Don't wear gloves under gloves. Magic. Take your arthritis medication. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So frustrating. Mm. But hey, I hope you enjoyed that. I did. The more I you know. It. The more you know. I think now I have to do like a ruining history kind of thing for you. Yes, it's your turn. Joan of Arc. Baby. Joan of Arc. I'm so excited. I love her so much. I died for her. That is going to be the next episode. Yeah. Next. I yeah. Yeah. I need to get my shit together for it, but um. Joan. I I didn't have my shit together, so it's fine. Yeah. I think a lot of, like, the stuff with Joan, which I'm going to talk about more when we do it, um, is you kind of, like, I don't really believe in God. Yeah, me neither. 
But context of the times, like, the law was based around trying to, like, prove whether or not she was talking to angels or demons. Right. So it's going to... Definitely demons. Right? Oh, my God. But, yeah, it's it's a really, like... Again, it's a really interesting case because Mm -hmm. it's the oldest ever surviving trial. Yeah. So it's, like, the OG, like, you have her word for word just, like, destroying these, like priests who are trying to like convict her of talking to the devil and i'm just i just love her yeah another another case but this time just historic like super old medieval i'm down for any case okay it should just be our running series us teaching each other about different cases and then occasionally we hunt ghosts yeah exactly yeah that's our podcast in a nutshell yeah also we get pretty gay sometimes hell yeah yeah yeah, thank you for thanks for listening. Thank you for teaching. Until next time, pals. I hope you enjoyed. Bye. Bye. Bye.